One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. And welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is nine and a half, and Libby and Nate are six and a half. And I have two kids. Jay is four, and Kenny is one. Our kids are pretty stinking adorable, and we like to open each episode with a little story about just how adorable they are to get them off our chest so we can focus on the actual content of the episode. So, Deborah, have your kids done anything particularly adorable this week? This is so adorable. Nate got to go to a school library yesterday and check out two books. And he checked out two copies of the exact same graphic novel so that he and Tony could read them at the same time. That is so sweet. Oh, brothers that like each other. I know, and I probably, like, praised him too much for it, because <laughs> I just thought it was so thoughtful, and he did it all by himself, and it was just such a nice gesture. Oh my gosh, you're raising good kids, Deborah. <laughs> how about, um, how about your kids? Now I feel like I'm always... I'm selling Jay short, <laughs> but <laughs> I do have an important update after last week's story in which he decided that he was just not going to dress himself. He right. has started dressing himself again, so thank goodness for that. But my real story is kind of more of a question for you about how you manage requests from your kids to play with them. Jay is going through a phase where he is constantly asking me to play with him and he insists that he is not able to play on his own. And I feel like my inability to deal with this stems directly from screen time, specifically an episode of Daniel Tiger in which Daniel is playing zoo animals and he asks mom tiger to come play with him. She comes to play with him for all of 30 seconds, then says, okay, Daniel, you keep playing zoo animals by yourself and mommy's going to go get something done. And Daniel says, okay, mom, my kid would never say that. (laughs) Do kids have to learn how to play on their own for sure? Or is this like a time when you're like trying to put Kenny down or make dinner or something and it's more of an attention seeking thing? I think it has a lot to do with attention-seeking, but it doesn't happen around a particular time. It is just, for this moment, constant. And I know that like it's one of those things that I'll probably miss it when it's gone, but right now I have no good way of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Not such a super adorable story, but it was related to how screen time has set me up for some unrealistic parenting expectations. <laughs> Yeah, that Daniel Tiger's mom is like the Pinterest board of parenting. 
totally totally she is hashtag blessed yeah use it for inspiration but don't measure yourself against her (laughs) (laughs) to what depths have I fallen that I'm like actively comparing myself as a parent to an animated tiger All right. Shall we move on to screen time in the news? Yes, you picked a great article. I'm glad you liked it. I was a little worried because it was a little old. But uh, this week we are discussing a September 19th Washington Post article by Anne Hornaday. And it is called Gina Davis Just Made Children's TV More Feminist. Can you imagine a better clickbaity article title for me? It was great. And I vaguely knew about the Gina Davis Institute, but I didn't really know what it did Mm -hmm. or what it had achieved. I had never even heard of it before this. So way to have your finger on the feminist pulse. Just to run down the content of the article really quick, for those of you like me who did not know about all of Gina Davis's awesome efforts on the part of gender parity in entertainment. Uh, Gina Davis established the Institute on G- the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media in 2004. And in 2012, they got a $1.2 million grant from Google to develop the software for facial and voice recognition in TV so they could accurately count how many women were on on TV and in ads and how much speaking they did. So they come up with a number called the Gina Davis Inclusion Quotient, which abbreviates to GDIQ. Uh, And so they're able to track the number of women versus men and the amount of time each spends speaking. And the great news is that they found that among the 50 most popular kids programs of 2018, 52% of the characters were women. And they even spoke a hair more than half the time. So that is seems to be a really successful story. I still feel like we're not looking at the content of what the female characters are saying because I'm all for female roles, but is it worth it if they're all like working in cupcake shops? Well, I think that's one of the things that she is working to change because um, she met with like the people who create TV shows, the showrunners and the writers. She had all this data about, how female characters are more sexualized than male characters. She had a bunch of criteria that she was looking at, like what body types they were, what they talked about. Mm -hmm. So gender parity was achieved just in terms of like numbers of characters, but I think there's still room for improvement in the way female characters are portrayed. I mean, just thinking about our experience, looking at the landscape of kids TVs and, kids tv and movies it is still so spectacularly gendered mm-hmm. yeah so listeners if you have any thoughts on gender parody in kids tv uh whether you've seen it whether you've not seen it whether you think we still have a long way to go let us know yeah we'll link to the article i'm going to try to find out what those 50 most popular shows are yeah and i assume this report is available somewhere And just, I love that the folks at the Gina Davis Institute are all about the data. And Mm -hmm. then they showed the data to all of the television creators who 
maybe were under the impression or felt like they were being more equal than they really were. But Mm -hmm. then when presented with the data, that was a real motivator to make change. So did you have any follow-up from our last episode in which we discussed the dark crystal? I feel like this is going to be a really long episode just because I have a lot of things to rant about. (laughs) And I already got the mom tiger rant off my chest. (laughs) Jay and I actually sat down and watched the original Dark Crystal movie together. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was not planning on it at all because I thought it would be too scary for him. And he's not in a place where he really sits down and watches a whole movie. But... Mm -hmm. As we discussed a little bit in our episode last week, I think the fact that he's exposed to so much CGI everything meant that he wasn't as scared by the puppets because he could tell they were just puppets, but he Mm -hmm. was enraptured by the story. He pretty much sat on my lap just paying focused attention for the majority of it, and I was so pleased because I think you know how rarely our kids actually end up liking something that was special to us as kids. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So it just made me want to jump for joy that he liked it so much. But as far as content of the Dark Crystal show, I cannot believe that we didn't discuss the hot mess that is Brea's library in the series. So just to remind you, listeners, Brea is from the clan of Gelflings that is supposed to be the keeper of all Gelfling knowledge. She is a bookworm. She spends a ton of time in the library. And this library is a disaster. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. There are just books piled up and scrolls scattered everywhere. It seems really irresponsible. It reminded me of a professor I had who was a poetry professor Mm -hmm. and I went to his office hours and like just so many books everywhere on shelves, stacked on top of shelves, on the floor, in front of the bookshelves. That's what it was like. Which is fine for your personal space. I am also a messy person. But if the Library of Congress were this messy, it would be a problem. No, forget it. Right. (laughs) Gelflings, no wonder you got taken over by the Skeksis. (laughs) (laughs) We also talked briefly last week about rotoscope animation, because you mentioned that Ethan Hawke movie, Waking Life. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So can I get any supporters on the fact that rotoscope is the worst kind of animation ever? It is so creepy looking. And I feel like it's having a moment because Amazon Prime has a whole new series called Undone that is getting really good press and it's all rotoscoped and it just makes me so mad. Is it like opposite of stop motion animation kind of? I don't know. I don't know anything about how either one are really created, but it seems like rotoscoping might be a lot easier yeah it's like tracing for animation because you film the actual actors doing it and then you just like Mm -hmm. trace them and that is your animation and (laughs) I don't know why it bothers me so much I feel like it takes so much less artistry to just flip and trace a person (laughs) right so you are not 
Undone is not top of your list this fall for Monster Bottom TV. of my list, and I'm actively <laughs> mad it exists. <laughs> All right. Rant over for now. <laughs> Got it. Are we ready to talk about today's topic? Finally. Yes. Okay. It is fall. It is October. Halloween is upon us. And we watched and reviewed, are about to review, Spooky Buddies, which we watched on HBO. You can also rent it on Amazon. It was released direct-to-video in 2011. It's the 10th movie in the Airbud franchise, which started in 1997 with Airbud, a movie where the Golden Retriever star is good at basketball, so his owner won't have to be. Airbud, the Golden Retriever, starred in five films, and then his puppies, the Air Buddies, took over in films 6 through 14. The puppies' names are B-Dog, Buddha, Mudbud, Rosebud, and Butterball, and they are played by actual puppies, and they talk, and you can see their mouths move thanks to the magic of CGI. And we picked it because Halloween is almost here. We haven't watched a movie in a long time, and we haven't watched a movie with actors providing voices for pets since episode seven, and that was that Kevin Spacey movie, and that was before me too. Our podcast has been going on for a long time. I know. <laughs> My kids have watched pretty much all the buddies movies that are available on Netflix, and so I knew that they would want to watch this, and so that's why I chose it. Have you watched the buddies movies before? We actually haven't. Do you? Do they just watch the buddies and not the bud movies? Are the buddies better because it's a group of five adorable puppies as opposed to one dog? I think we've only... I was not aware until you did the research about the air bud movies. So we've just watched the... Like there's a treasure buddies. There's a space buddies. My kids love puppies and you all know we don't have one. So... <laughs> watching a Netflix movie about five of them is uh, the next best thing. <laughs> so I should summarize the movie. So the story takes place in Fernfield, a small town where 75 years ago, a warlock named Warwick summoned the Halloween hound, but some things went awry and the story picks up on a present day Halloween where some kids and their puppies are on like a learning tour of the town and the teacher tells them about the myth of the Halloween hound. The puppies sneak into this old haunted house and um, they think they've summoned the Halloween hound, but it's actually this ghost puppy named Pip who is turned to stone by the warlock and the Halloween hound. Uh, the kids go back and they sort of accidentally slash intentionally summon Warwick, the warlock and the Halloween hound. And then they all have to save Fernfield as the warlock wreaks havoc on Halloween night. And there's a lot of confusion and mixed up identities because he's an actual warlock and there are ghosts and then everybody's dressed up because it's Halloween and, what a caper. <laughs> but in the end, do they defeat Warlock and the Halloween Hound? Yes, there is. Everybody lives happily 
after because it's a kid's movie. Oh, thank goodness. I watched it with Libby, who was scared of the Halloween Hound Mm -hmm. and the Warlock. So it made me realize that, you know, little kids get scared of stuff that to me is obviously special (laughs) effects and bad acting. (laughs) So she's not ready for the Skeksis yet? Oh, gosh, no. (laughs) I thought the puppies were cute but a little bit problematic. All right. Do you want to get into the the mouth moving technology right away or? Yeah. What's your feeling on CGI mouths? Well, you know, I can rant about anything. In the long tradition of making animals mouths look like they're speaking, I guess the technology has gotten better because it wasn't as actively creepy as some older stuff I've seen. So this was in 2011 and we both saw well, I know oh, I saw The Lion King and we talked about it. And one of the like criticisms of that movie was the way that the animal's mouths moved. I think it's a really tricky thing. Yeah. And unless it's like Andy Circus playing a primate, which is, you know, pretty close to a human mouth, as close as can be, I think it's just going to be an imperfect execution of the effect. Yeah, I guess in my head, it's just always, oh gosh, is it E-Trade that used to have those commercials with the babies that were talking about trading stocks and so easy a baby could do it? Mm-hmm. They would make the baby's mouths move like they were talking and it looked really creepy and bad. So that is always what's in my head. And compared to that, this was flawless. Halloween movies right? They're less common than Christmas movies. Do you have any favorites from your childhood? The Nightmare Before Christmas uh, is from my youth. I'm not sure if it's from my childhood. Mm -hmm. I think that's a stunning Tim Burton achievement, but I could not think of that many Halloween movies. Uh, What's the one with Sarah Jessica Parker and Hocus Pocus? Yeah, that one probably wins the prize for most frequently replayed. I think it stands up. I love Hocus Pocus. How about you? Did you have any favorites from your childhood? I mean, Hocus Pocus for sure. I really do not care for The Nightmare Before Christmas, but that goes into my whole Tim Burton rant, which we'll stay away from today because I think I have unleashed enough cranky old lady venom on this podcast so far. You know what the popular Halloween movie is that I have no experience of and absolutely no feelings about it's the great pumpkin charlie brown i don't know charlie brown is kind of uh depressive right so i feel like all charlie brown movies end on a pretty low note i don't think i've ever actually seen it but a lot of people cite it as one of their big traditions this time of year i'm not actually sure if it's more halloween or more thanksgiving hmm I don't know. Listeners, are you a fan of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown? And can you tell us what's up there? Tell us. I feel like we watched it as a family recently, and it was like, oh, yes, the beginning of seasonal affected disorder. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so not an upper. So I think it's safe to say that Spooky Buddies is a little bit more cheery. The thing that really made me smile about this movie was how much of a throwback it feels to Halloween when we were kids. Because these kids were just left to run amok in the town 
with no adult mm-hmm. supervision. Like all the adults just went to a crazy drunken party and left all the kids out trick or treating in the dark. I feel like that's a big no-no now. Now it's like, go to this trunk or treat that's put on by your church, and it only goes from like 3 to 4 p.m., so it's not dark yet, you know? Yeah, that party was crazy. Can we take a moment to discuss the teacher's and her husband's costumes? Please, let's. So it's at the teacher's house who is the one to show the children the tour and the haunted house and tell him about the myth so she and her husband are having this wild halloween party and they're dressed as frankensteins but they're like frankensteins in blackface it's purple i don't know it was isn't frankenstein's uh face supposed to be green i just thought it was a different take on like the color of decay because I feel like purple is definitely within the spectrum of how things look when they go bad okay so I'll so purple Frankenstein not blackface Frankenstein that makes me feel better about it what kind of resolution does your tv have maybe that's maybe that's the problem I don't know I was astounded by their costumes I would like to live in a world where all the grown-ups go to a big drunken Halloween party while the kids take care of themselves. How about you? Yeah, trick-or-treating, like, I like it because my kids are so into mm-hmm. it, but I also halfway dread it because it's, like, so late on a school night. It's weird to go to somebody's house and get candy <laughs> that you don't know them. You're still struggling with the concept. <laughs> how late does it go where you live because it gets dark so early up there yeah yeah I mean we don't I mean I would I don't think past eight o'clock I would much rather be the person who stays behind and hands out candy than to be the parent that accompanies the trick-or-treaters and I do think someday my kids will be able to go on their own we totally breezed by a comment you made about the puppies personality is being problematic do you have some more to say about that well it's like an pretty much an all-white cast right Mm -hmm. and each puppy is like based on one characteristic that matches their owner's personality Mm -hmm. and b-dog's owner is into hip-hop like he wants to be a rapper for halloween his mom totally misunderstands him and she buys him a hip hopity rabbit costume for Halloween instead. But anyway, B-Dog is like, mm, kind of speaks in this like, I don't even know how to describe it without being offensive, but sort of like fake gangster talking. Like he says, yo, a lot. And it felt cultural appropriation-y. Absolutely. That's the best. Best way to put it. This movie is older, 2011. It's not super old, but I don't think that characterization would be done now in 2019. Because everything in this movie is about character shorthand, right? So their character shorthand for Mm -hmm. B-Dog and even for his owner is that they both have matching like rhinestone covered big oversized necklaces with like a B. It was really caricature I don't know if we're just being super sensitive because all of the characters were caricature in whatever way. It's just that the other ones were caricature- caricatured as 
oh, this is the nerd. This is the jock. This is the dirty one. They, they had one that like the outstanding <laughs> characteristic was that he was dirty. Sort of like the pig pen of the Air Buddies world. Yeah. And the adults also were very drawn in very broad stereotype brushes like the sheriff was really bumbling and the teacher was really dorky and the mom was really clueless even the sheriff's dog was dopey and old (laughs) and they made fun of him for taking a nap yeah it definitely fell into the classic trope of adults just don't get it and they'll never understand and we got to figure this out on our own Mm -hmm. which we encounter again and again sometimes more successfully than others but this is where the movie really did borrow from Hocus Pocus isn't it almost an exact replica of a scene in Hocus Pocus where the kids go to the big party where the parents are partying and try to explain to them what's going on and the parents are just like woo we're having fun and dancing don't be so uptight it it felt i have to watch that again like exactly cribbed from that movie which i can't say that i exactly minded maybe you're trying to bring some of the fun things about hocus pocus to a slightly younger audience fine i definitely don't think spooky buddies is in danger of toppling Hocus Pocus's position as most beloved children's Halloween movie. So I guess it's fine, but it did feel lazy. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about Warwick the Warlock? I thought he was just silly. It was just a silly character. Silly dialogue, silly acting. I But Libby was genuinely scared of his character. I am fascinated by that. I wanted to kind of feel sorry for him because he was probably ostracized and that's why he ended up living alone in that haunted house and scheming against his own community. But there was no way to feel any compassion for that character. He was a really despicable person. Here's what it made me think of. Teen Beach movie. Mm -hmm. We talked about how game those actors were that played the villains yeah they were just totally into it and as goofy as their plot was they sold it to the best of their abilities i do not feel like warwick the warlock took it to that same level i did not believe him at any point definitely not the same caliber of performer i have a question for you so In the very beginning, we see, like, the events that happened 75 years ago, Mm. and the warlock had this pet owl, Mm. and then when they flash forward to present day, the owl is still there. How long do owls live? They are not tortoises. (laughs) That's a really good point. Maybe his lifespan was increased because he's a magic owl? That has to be it. I was unable to suspend my disbelief. Based on the fact that the owl was still around 75 years later. He didn't even look like he aged a day. Right. (laughs) Need to get in on that owl skincare (laughs) regimen. Were there any voice actors or actual actors that stood out to you? Yes. So the main child character was played by Skylar Chisando. And he is... He plays Gideon in Righteous Gemstones, which is also on HBO right now. I recognized him from that, too. 
Yeah, and he was also in Booksmart. Which I still haven't seen, but it's supposed to be so good. Oh, it was so good. I hope that you can watch it soon. Oh, you know, in half an hour increments over the course of two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, like it's a TV series you're binging. (laughs) So... The teacher was played by Jennifer Elise Cox, who immediately I recognized as Jan from the Brady Bunch movie. Oh, yes. Good call. She's just a really, like, outlandish actress. Mm -hmm. Like, just perfect for playing a very stereotyped character. And then the mom was played by Eliza Donovan, who was Amber in Clueless. Now that you say that, I totally recognize her. And I didn't recognize any of the uh, other characters, really. How about you? No, I didn't recognize any of the voice actors either, other than being super annoyed by B-Dog. Here's a thought, just, you know, to noodle around. It seemed like they unnecessarily combined the two stereotypical traits of jock and person who likes to eat a lot into the character of Butterball what if they just split those two apart and then they wouldn't need a bee dog oh I like it that's great thanks (laughs) (laughs) so were you able to compare spooky buddies to any adult movie or tv show it's not really an adult movie or tv show but they were definitely cribbing a lot from Hocus Pocus and that's really all I could think of I don't watch a lot of scary movies because I'm a scaredy cat. Mm-hmm. I feel like scary movies made for children are right up my street. Yeah, totally. It made me think because of the 80s references and because of the just adults were also out of touch. It made me think back to like the John Hughes movies that we all know and love. Yeah, it had a very 80s feel. Did you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer at all? I did not. So there's a very no. classic episode early in the series. I think it's season two where they get dressed up for Halloween and then magically everyone becomes the characters they're dressed as. Mm. And it's a great episode of television. And I guess if it reminded me of anything, it would have reminded me of that because there is a segment in which surfer dude Frankenstein gets possessed and kind of becomes actual Frankenstein. So there you go. There's a connection for you. (laughs) Were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot? I think just kind of twisting it on its head to be the dogs are the ones that know what's up and the people are all really stupid. So you would need some actors that are good at playing stupid. So I'm thinking like a Mindy Kaling. Mm -hmm. And then you would need actors that are good at playing smart which probably means that all the dogs would have British accents (laughs) (laughs) so you'd have like John Oliver voicing one of the puppies because they all talk and their mouths move like they're speaking English but the kids can't understand what the dogs are saying Mm -hmm. so I think there's a lot of fodder for the dogs just being totally dismissive and annoyed by the stupidity of their humans and that would spice it up a little bit How about you? Well, I didn't think of the cast was very diverse at all. So I would cast our favorite John Cho as the teacher. I would get the kids from Blackish to play some of the kids. Mm -hmm. I would cast Zendaya as, instead of a warlock, a witch. And then Brian Tyree Henry, who plays Paperboy on Atlanta, he could be the parent. 
like the clueless parent. <laughs> All right. I like it. Interjecting some diversity into the show it could definitely use it because i don't think there are any people of color in all of fernfield right (laughs) unless you count purple (laughs) was it better when we were kids halloween movies are just hard to come by there just aren't that many to compare it to i feel like this made me really wistful for when we were kids as far as the way they treat halloween as a time for kids to kind of go crazy so was Mm -hmm. real halloween better when we were kids than current halloween i would say yes as far as movies not really do you remember did you ever take your candy to the to get x-rayed no but i do remember the really big scare about razor blades like when we had to like unwrap everything and essentially like mush it into a million pieces before we are allowed to eat it Wasn't that weird? Was that a real thing or was that like an urban legend? I think it may have been an urban legend. And wasn't it an apple? Like who is giving out apples? (laughs) I might be conflating two different urban myths because you're right. One was a razor blade in a candy bar and one was an apple, which I'm sorry if someone gives me an apple when I'm trick or treating, I'm not even eating it. Like you can stick as many razor blades as you want in there. Yeah, give me my Snickers instead. Would you you ever watch this alone voluntarily? Oh my gosh, it was so bad, Deborah. No, I would never watch this alone voluntarily. How about you? No, I mean, my kids are, I don't mind if they watch a a buddy's movie, but I am not going to sit down with them and enjoy it with them. No way. So along those same lines, 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. It's fine. See, Ish. I thought you'd go the other way and be like, no, because first of all, not a very good movie. Second of all, doesn't it make them bug you for pets? Isn't that like one of the things you hate? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I mean, they're just going to bug me for a dog no matter what. So Slash establishes really unrealistic expectations for life with a pet because these kids do not care for the puppies at all. The puppies spend a good chunk of the movie just wandering around on their own. Yeah, they're free range puppies. There are no leash laws in Fernfields. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings? Three. Oh, you're so nice. Maybe I would scotch up to a two. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I was generous. (laughs) But we've established (laughs) that you're way nicer than I am. I mean, I spent the first 15 minutes of this podcast just ranting about stuff I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Halloween, you guys. Happy Halloween. Let us know how it goes. Ooh, is anyone dressing up as well-known kids uh, television characters? Do we have some Paw Patrol Halloween costumes? What are, do you, do your kids know what they're doing yet? I think it's a little up in the air mm-hmm. still. We've gotten so lazy. We're just all doing Star Wars again. It will never get old. Yeah. That's a Halloween classic. I feel like now that Star Wars is everywhere though, it's kind of, it's lost that nerd cool cachet. A little bit, but your kid, enjoy your kids because you can still like heavily influence what they are going to be for Halloween my kids that's true have ideas of their own now. yeah no I mean Jay <laughs> totally went high and right last year and decided he was going to be Iron Man so it's already started 
Thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our awesome website at myscreentime2.com, but you can still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2 if that's more your jam. That is also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at MyScreenTime2. You can also email us at MyScreenTime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye.